Reading, reading from Matthew 6, verses 19 to 33. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is a lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. He cannot serve both God and money. And from verse 33, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, for all these things will be given to you as well. Amen. New shining, white and fire. New shining, white and fire. New shining, white and fire. New iPhone 16. Buy it now. New iPhone 18. New iPhone 19. New iPhone 21. picture of that, can't you, that we live in a world, don't we, where consumerism, stuff is everywhere. Uh, everything's new, everything's got to have this, we've got to have the newest, got to have the latest, got to have the biggest. It's everywhere, isn't it? And we swim in that. We are constantly swimming in that type of world. It is always around us. And it impacts us, doesn't it? 
doesn't matter where you are or what you're doing. Uh, it's all around us, isn't it? It's everywhere. It, it, it just piles onto us and we're, we're around it, we're in it, it's all over the place. Uh, it's the water we swim in. Remember, we've been thinking about this, uh, this term. We're thinking about who we are as children of God, as people who put our trust in Jesus, and how do we live in the world around us? How do we live that out? We talked about work a couple of weeks ago. Last week, we talked about technology. This week, we're talking about stuff and what stuff does to us and to how stuff impacts us uh, because it's everywhere and we live in a world that wants to promote that and encourage that as much as possible. Uh, these are a couple of sayings that you will find on Wall Street, buy or die, uh, or lunch is for wimps, or this one, greed is good. Uh, in our economic society, in our society where everything is about what you have and what you get, these are the things that we keep hearing. Subliminally, maybe, or outright in front of us. Uh, or you get this one, he who dies with the most toys wins. It's everywhere, isn't it? It's all around us. And as children of God, we need to think about how that impacts us. As people who follow Jesus, as people who are wanting to live for him in a world that is saturating us with this, how do we live within it? How do we work within that? Because I reckon that the longer we're in it, we are like that frog that gets warmed up. The water around us just seems to float over us. And more and more, we, who are followers of Jesus, are infiltrated, saturated and overcome by stuff. The stuff on the floor in Bob's kid's bedroom. The stuff you have in your lounge room. Uh, you see, as living as a child of God, we have been blessed beyond belief, haven't we? See what love the Father has lavished on us in 1 John 3 verse 1, that he shall, we shall be called children of God. We have been given that wonderful privilege. When we put our trust in Jesus, he says to us, we're his children. He brings us in. That's why we sang that song, Who You Say I Am. We are children of God and we are to live that out. And it's tough to live that out, isn't it? Uh, this talk's a tough talk. Because this tough, uh, just as last week was a tough talk about technology and what it impacts, impacts me, but this is about money and greed and how it impacts us. How consumerism stuff, our economics, our economy impacts us. Because you see, when the Bible talks about rich people, he's talking about me. He's talking about you. If you have a meal, one meal a day, a roof over your head and a bed to sleep on, you're in the top 10% of wealthiest people in the world. When Jesus says, command the rich, warn the rich, he's speaking to me. He's speaking to you. Now, don't get me wrong, as we go through this, the Bible never says that having money is wrong. Okay? Or having money or gaining money or being rich, there's nothing wrong with having money. 
but it does warn us. It does speak into that. And when it speaks into that, it speaks at a deep level. Not so much what you have, but what it does here. And then what you do with that. So that's what we're going to be thinking about today. So I'm going to be encouraging you to, uh, to think through it, to think, have we been so much in the water of the world? Have we swum so much in the water around us? Are we actually being greedy? Now, I'm not going to point a finger at you, but I want us today to honestly go from here, sit down, Open yourself up before God after what you've heard and what you've read and ask him to penetrate you, for him to hit your heart, for him to speak into your life and then for that to flow out in what and how you live. Uh, but I'm going to work us through that. We're going to have a bit of a look through it together this morning. Uh, no way can we possibly think about all of it, but we're going to have a, a chance to think that through today about what God says to us about how we are to deal with the stuff that we have, the things that we have as we live as children of God. Uh, well, first of all, the Bible tells us that we need to be careful that we don't end up being misguided that we don't end up following the wrong path because that's the danger with everything, isn't it? And it continues to be the danger with stuff, with money, with what we have. And in the Bible, the topic that is spoken about almost as much or more than anything else is the warning of money and what it does to us. So the first thing that the Bible tells us is we need to be careful about being misguided. And that's what that first passage was, wasn't it? In Matthew uh, chapter 6, verses 19, uh, as Jesus is saying, he's speaking to those that are listening around him. He says, don't store up treasures in heaven. He says, where your treasure is, there your heart is. And then he says, doesn't he? He says, where your eyes are, that's where you go. Uh, Jesus is saying to us, when it comes to stuff, when it comes to the things that we have, the two things we've got to be careful of is what we look at and what our heart desires. What we're focused on and what our heart is set itself upon. And those two things are linked. Uh, because Paul says, doesn't he, uh, Jesus says that what you look at is what infiltrates your heart and then what your heart desires is where you end up going for. That becomes what you live for. And so we've got to be so careful about that. Anyway, we'll be thinking about what do we look at. Have you ever been with someone and teaching them to drive? Uh, you're teaching them to drive and as you teach them to drive and you teach them to change lanes and to look, what do they do? They turn, don't they? So where our eyes are is where we turn to. And you've got to work hard at not doing that. Even we have to think about that now, don't we? When you turn to look, you've got to deliberately decide not to take your hands off the steering wheel. And so what Jesus is saying to us, we actually need to be careful what we look at. We need to be careful what our eyes are, are looking at. And our eyes are saturated with stuff, aren't they? Just about, not every TV program, but so many TV programs are about better homes and gardens. Have you thought about that show? 
Now, if Matt Harper was here, he would have said he hates this show because no one can do what they can do in five minutes. You cannot build a house in five minutes. It cannot be done. But they're the shows that we have, don't we? The Better Homes and Gardens, uh, the, the Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous, uh, Doing Up Houses, making this, having all this stuff. It is everywhere, isn't it? And then if you are into technology and you do have your phones and you are on Facebook, what are all the feeds telling you? Oh, you need a new jacket. Like it's the middle of summer, but you need a winter jacket for next year. Uh, you might have three, but you need another one. Or your iPhone 17 is out of date. Uh, you need to feed all your feeds down the side on social media are telling you you need more. Our eyes are seeing on the TV, our eyes are seeing on our feeds, our eyes as we look around the world, uh, particularly in our society, are telling you you do not have enough. And you need to be, you're, they want you to be discontent. Wants you to be discontent with what you have so that you desire more and you need more. Jesus says, Beware of where your eyes are focused. Because where your heart is, there your treasure will be. It's a challenge, isn't it? I don't think you can completely get away from it, can you? We, we cannot get away from that in the world around us. But we need to be, like with technology, we need to be discerning in that. We need to think that through. Do I need to be looking at all this stuff that's telling me I need to be discontent with what I have here and now? It's not easy. But the challenge is there, isn't it? Because that's what it wants you to do. The world around us, the things that we're looking at, are wanting you to say, I'm not happy with what I've got. I need that extra thing. Seriously, today, I think the big thing that guarantees whether you've made it or not is whether your TV covers your whole wall. <laughs> Seriously. Does your TV cover your whole wall? If it doesn't, you haven't made it yet. You drive around any street now and it looks like there's Christmas trees in everyone's house because their TV is so big. It's like it's just streaming all this stuff out. Look, I've got two big TVs, so I can't, I'm not pointing fingers. It's time to do that, that, that sense you've got to have the biggest, you've got to have the best, it's got to be more. It just fills that whole sense of discontentment that we haven't got enough. And as we get discontent with that, then we think we need more, and then we want, need more, then we get more, and the funny thing is, it never does satisfy. Because you see, as Bob said in his talk, and Jesus said in his words, do not store up stuff where moth and rust destroy. Uh, who knows where that picture is of? Seven's head, it's Air Force Beach. Uh, and the road that runs through the middle of that one, just along the first one back from the street, is called Seamist Lane. And Seamist Lane is where we lived when we first got here. And uh, we decided that we should rename Seamist Lane to Sea Rust Lane. Uh, we decided that if you stood still for longer than five minutes in Sea Rust Lane, you would start to rust up. Uh, you literally rust by being there. It is a gorgeous place to live, by the way. Uh, our house wasn't that gorgeous, but the, it was a gorgeous place to live. Uh, but you rusted there. 
and sharing. Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6, in our gospel communities this week, the two major passages we're going to look at are the Matthew one and then the 1 Timothy 6 one. So if you want to read at home uh, and think this through and ask God to speak to you, there are so many more passages you could look at, but these are two that we're going to be looking at during the week. 1 Timothy chapter 6 is a great passage and it goes on, it says, Command those who are rich in the present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. You see, God is not a killjoy, okay? He's not saying that you have to live like a pauper and feel really bad about it and just, you know, wallow around in the mud or that sort of thing. He wants to take everything off you. That's not what he's saying. He says, if you've been given riches, if I've given that to you and I've blessed you with that, you have that, then it's what you do with that that is most important. Because it's not yours in the first place. It's God that's given it to you. Uh, there's a great uh, a story about a guy who was a multi-millionaire and he was on the Gold Coast and uh, when he said he, when he wanted to die, he wanted to be buried with all his possessions. He wanted to be de- buried in his gold Rolls Royce. He wanted to be buried uh, with all the stuff around him, all the bits he could have. And so he had that and guess what? He died. And uh, on the day of his death and the funeral, there was just a casket there with an envelope on the top. And uh, his wife had put that envelope on that and she said, I owe you. Didn't have all his stuff uh, because she kept decided to keep it. Because you can't take it with you, can you? It disappoints. You cannot take that with you. You see, we need to love what will last. That's what Jesus is saying in Matthew, isn't he? Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness because that's what will last. Do you love what will last? Or do you love the car that you drive? Do you love the house that you live in? I'm saying that you can't appreciate it. But when our love goes there, when our heart goes there, when our eyes go there, then that becomes idolatry and that's green. Jimmy Elliot was a famous missionary. He said, He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep, his possessions, things he has, to gain what he cannot lose which is a relationship with God and people that lasts forever. What verse 33 is in Matthew chapter 5, isn't it? But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you. He's not saying that you're going to suddenly have everything that, uh, the, you know, the best of everything. He said you will provide it for your needs but not your greeds. You'll provide what you need and ultimately you'll be provided with who? With him him who gives us life now and gives us life eternally and we spend our time with him and we seek to live for him, we have our eyes on him, our heart on him and we will be satisfied, we won't be discontent. Because he doesn't, he doesn't uh, disappoint us. Jesus satisfies because he gives us all that we need. You see, what we need is to run and keep our eyes on Jesus, Hebrews chapter 12 the author and the perfecter of our faith. 
fixing our eyes on him and him alone. Because he won't. He won't disappoint. I don't know whether you've ever seen these when you've been in uh, shopping centres. I was in Burwood Shopping Centre on Friday. There's a big area that you can eat in and you go around and there's so much stuff, food that you can eat. And you're going to walk around and you've got 30-odd different places you can eat at and you think, oh, I'm, I'm confused now, I don't know what to eat. Uh, but you're walking around and they have these billboards, don't they? They have these boards all around and on those boards they have the pictures of what this food is going to look like and you think, that's going to be fantastic. And so you buy it and it doesn't look anything like it, does it? And you take a bite of it and you think, that's not bad. And then an hour later you think, why on earth did I eat that? It doesn't satisfy, doesn't it? That's what Jesus is saying about stuff. The things that we have, they look shiny, they look good, they look like we can have it, but they don't last. They give you a stomachache and they don't satisfy. So why chase after them? Why do we chase after them? Because we do, don't we? Be honest. We chase after that bright, shiny stuff. Because it's only Jesus that satisfies. The old Snickers ad. He is it. Nothing else will. Nothing else satisfies now and nothing will satisfy into eternity because he's the one that takes us there and he's the one we're going to be with in eternity. None of our stuff will be there. Only Jesus and other people. So why do we put our time and effort into other things? You see, the Bible encourages us, us to loosen our grip on stuff and tighten our grip on Jesus. Whereas I think we've done a little bit of the other, haven't we? We're tightening our grip on stuff and we're loosening our grip on Jesus. But the Bible says the other. Loosen your grip on stuff. Tighten your grip on Jesus. Seek him and his kingdom. Because you know, in 2 Corinthians 8 verse 9, Paul says this, this, For you know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, Yet for our sake, for your sake, he became poor, so that by his poverty we might become rich. That's not in stuff. Jesus left eternity in perfect relationship with his Father and with the Spirit. That's what he left, to come and be here with us so that we could be in that richness with them for eternity. That's what he's given to us. So Jesus says to us, and the Bible says to us, the way to not set our sights on other things, not to have our hearts on treasures, is to first and foremost be content in what God has given to us and who he is. Uh, this is in 1 Timothy chapter 6 as well. It says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. Been content in what God has provided for us, content in the place that He's put us, content in the situations that we are and where we are and what He has for us, and to trust Him in it. Contentment and thankfulness, understanding what God has done for us. This is look at verse 9 it says, Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish 
and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Now remember what I said before, it's not the money that it's the issue, it's the love of money. It's setting our sights on money. It's saying that I want to hold it and keep it that's the problem. And the Bible keeps telling us we've got to be so careful with it because it's so pervasive. Now we're sitting here in 2018, this was written back 2,000 odd years ago and we think, oh, it's just about us today because we have so much possession. God said that back then. It was as much a temptation then as it is now. They struggled with it as much as we struggle with it. And so we need to be thankful, don't we? A way to not have that is to be thankful in what God has provided for us and where he has us and what he's got for us and to be thankful in him and trust him that he is good. That he is good. And as we do that, then we want to be generous and sharing. Verse uh, 17 of that says, Command those who are rich in the present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. You see, the answer to greed, the answer to grabbing and taking is giving and sharing. You see the opposite, isn't it? Grabbing, keeping, giving and sharing. Generous giving. That, if you want to read through the New Testament, that is what it continually encourages us to do, to be generous in our giving. Financially, time, everything that God has given to us, recognising it's his first, is to be generous and giving with what he's given to us. If you read through the New Testament, when it comes to money, there is no set figure about how much you give. The Old Testament had a law, 10%. In the New Testament, it says it's not about law anymore, it's about heart. It's not about just setting it down here, it's about being generous and joyous and giving. 10% could be huge for you. 10% could be a pittance for you. It's not about the amount, it's about the heart and being generous with that and sharing as well with what we have. What we have, we share. What we have, we give. Here's a question for you. What stuff that you have would you not share with someone else? What would you have that you wouldn't share? The Bible would say, if you won't share it, then you want to be really careful that that's not an idol. That it hasn't taken your eyes. That it hasn't taken your heart. And that's where your treasure's stored up in. It's tough, isn't it? <laughs> there's, there's stuff I've got. And I'll be thinking, whoa, I'm sure I want to be able to share that. You know, my car's pretty new. Whew, not sure I want to share that. I've got two big TVs. 
could I give one of them away? <sighs> Might have to divorce my wife because I want to watch sport and she wants to watch Better Homes and Gardens. The latest camera that you've got. Are you willing to share that? It's a big call, isn't it? It's a really big call. Because we've grown up in a society that is so strong on the work ethic, so strong on what you've what you've put your effort in, you deserve. You've earned it, you deserve it, you keep it. That's our mantra. You will not find that in the Bible. You will not find that in the Bible. Uh, A friend of mine is in a rather large congregation up in Brisbane and um, just recently... Uh, they've got, I think they've got 25 to 30 people on staff uh, and most of them are full-time. It's a big congregation, lots of people, lots of people with varying degrees of being able to give. Uh, and just uh, last year, they had to put three people off. Three full-time people off because one couple in that congregation had a downturn in their finances. One couple. They said, we've just got to do it for now, but we will give it back when we can. When we can. That's what, three people's wages. One couple supporting. I'm not saying there's anyone who's able to do that here, by the way. But they went and talked to them. Uh, five years before that, uh, the people were... Uh, the guy, a friend of mine and another person went to have a chat to them and thanked them for their generosity and they sat down, amazing place that they were living in, sat down and chatted to them, wanted to thank them for the, for the fact that they've been able to support so many people uh, and we've been able to employ so many people because of what you've been able to give and the people sat there and they looked at my friend and says, we could give more. We're not really being generous. That's only part of what we can give. See, it's not that these people have money that's the problem. It wasn't a problem because they're being very generous, aren't they? But they were able to recognise that even in their generosity, they could still give more. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and willing to share. That's not for the person up the road who's got a bigger house than you, a greater wage than you, that's for you. That's for me. Command those. He doesn't say, hey guys, here's a bit of a thought. He doesn't say, I'd like to encourage you. He says, command them. Now, I don't feel I have the authority to say that to you. But Paul in his word does say it to you. Command them be willing to be generous and to share. As a quote I read during the week, it says, a rich Christian may not be a contradiction in terms, but a mean and greedy Christian certainly is. 
Uh, there's a story of this guy too I read during the week, Nicholas Hartley. Um, I don't know whether you've uh, heard of Hartley's Jam. I think if you're English, you would know that. Uh, not many of us know that. But uh, Hartley's Jam is really famous still in England today. Uh, and this guy made a huge amount of money during his time. And he decided that what he was going to do with his giving, so that it never got to the point where his eyes were off Jesus and his heart was on other things, he decided that when his wage, when his income increased, he wasn't going to keep it at the same level that it was beforehand. He's going to incrementally increase the percentage of what he gives as he gets more. So he wasn't to say, okay, take... Just for the example, I'm going to give 10% of what I've got. I'm going to stick at 10%. So I'm earning 100,000. I'll give 10% this year. 200,000. I'm still going to, just going to give 10%. Well, that does increase, doesn't it? it ends up to being 20,000. You're going to give. It does increase that. He says, no, no. I'm going to increase the percentage that I give each year. Uh, he said uh, that wasn't easy. It was a struggle for him. He 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 found that really hard. But he said. I don't let money sit on me, I sit on my money. It's a challenge, isn't it? doesn't let money sit on him, he says, no, no, the money's going to sit on me. So can I encourage you, can I challenge you, as I've been challenged myself this week, and I can't tell you how to do that for you, I don't know your financial situation, I don't know what you have and don't have, that's something for you, and I'm not here to tell you how you're supposed to do that. But what I am here is to put you before God's word and for you to sit in front of that and under that and ask God by his word, through his spirit, to speak into your life about what this means for you. How can you go from grabbing and keeping to giving and sharing? What things in your life do you need to change so that your eyes aren't set and your heart aren't set on treasures but on the kingdom of God and that's seen in what you do with your stuff? Maybe some of us need to sit down and be repentant of our greed and idolatry. Ask God to penetrate it and change us from that. Transform us out of that. You see, because it's not all doom and gloom, is it? I mean, this is a great opportunity. God says that this is an absolute opportunity to be generous and cheerful in that, to actually find joy in being able to give and to share. And actually, you'll be far better off doing that than holding and keeping. Maybe you could think about this uh, guy called John Dixon said, as I was reading one of his quotes through the week, he said, how about you think about being as what you're being luxurious to yourself, you start being generous to others the same. So when you treat yourself something, how about you give the same away? When you go out for a really nice meal and treat yourself with that and think, yeah, I deserve that, how about you be just as generous with that to something else? How about you deliberately, specifically this week, sit down to do something that radically changes how you operate, how you see the stuff that God has given you and think about how I can give and share that. Don't just go away from here and think, oh, that was a tough talk, forget about it for the rest of the week. Sit down and ask God, where do I need to be better at sharing and giving? 
Show me, Lord. Take the idols out of my heart. Take my idols of my house, my car, my possessions. Get rid of those idols, Lord, and put you there first and foremost. Where can I give? Where can I share, Lord? Challenge me in that. Transform me in that. Because where your eyes are set, where your heart is, there your treasure will be. Jesus says, don't store up things where rust and moth will destroy, but seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, it's tough. We live in a world that saturates us, Lord, with the fact of what we have is ours and what we have we keep and we deserve it and we have it and we've worked hard and it's all ours, Lord. But really nothing is ours, it's only yours. It's all yours. Nothing here will last, Lord. Only you and relationship with you and relationship with others will go on into eternity. Father, we want to thank you and praise you that you have placed us in this country, in this world, where we are truly in the top 10% of the wealthiest people in this world, Lord. I want to praise you for that. We didn't deserve it. We didn't choose to live here, Lord, but you placed us here and you put us here and we are here because of you, Lord, and we have what we have because of you, Lord, and nothing else apart from you, Lord, is what we have and why we're here. And Lord, you are good and you give us all things to enjoy, all things that are enjoyment that is found in living for you. That's where our contentment will be found, Lord. And you tell us that and you show us that and we experience that continually, Lord. Father, we pray by your spirit that as what we've heard and what we read, that Lord, this week that we will sit under that, that we'll sit in it, that we'll sit listening to you, Lord, as you challenge us and transform us in our hearts, Lord, and that we'll be open to have the parts of our lives where we've been idolatrous and put our trust in other things and other than you, Lord, that you'll remove them from us and that, Lord, we'll sit with you and we'll sit... And hear from you, Lord, where we need to be giving and where we need to be sharing. And Lord, that we'll go out and do that. In the power of your spirit, Lord, we'll go out and do that. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.